making music and being the artist, being the one that, you know, it's, you're basically selling yourself, you know, it is, it's you, it's your face, it's your name. And it's, that's different from just selling any other kind of product because it's, you know, you can put some other sort of label on it, um, logo, whatever. And so it's, this really is you. And so it's very personal. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and you're listening to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And this episode is epic. Like, I actually had to decide to make this into two episodes because I had such an amazing conversation with Myla Smith, and she had so many nuggets to share with you guys, so much wisdom, so much experience, that she's been through so many different facets of, of you know, things that go on in her career that I think you guys can learn from that I was amazed. Like I could have talked to her for hours and we did talk for over an hour. So we are going to be splitting this into two episodes and this will be the first part and the next one will be next week. So I just want you to really soak all this in. And if you need to go back and listen to it again, I highly recommend it because she's got so much great stuff to say. And before we get to Myla and my conversation, I want to remind you, if you didn't hear last week, we just opened the Female Musician Academy and Artist Collective. And I'm really excited about all that's going on in there. We've got great training being put up all the time. We've got expert webinars. We've got Q&A webinars where you can get specific help with things in your career. And we've got the Facebook community that's a private secret group that um, only people that are members of the academy can be in. People are in there networking, learning from each other, asking questions. It is just such a great community. So if you want to check it out, go to femalemusicianacademy.com or you can go to femusician.com and grab our free resource, 19 Proven Sources of Income that you probably haven't considered for your music business. And When you do that, you will get a special discount for the Female Musician Academy. So check that out. We'll also be giving away one free month of the Female Musician Academy to some lucky person who reviews us on iTunes. So if you haven't done that yet, go to iTunes, either on your computer or on your mobile device, and go give us a rating and review. All you have to do on your mobile device is just go and search for us under the little search icon and find Female Entrepreneur Musician. Um, Next to the Details tab, it says Ratings and Reviews. Click on that, and then click Write a Review. It's as easy as that, and we will draw randomly at the end of the month to see who wins. So I don't want to give too much away about Myla Smith because we talk about so much stuff. So here's a short little bio about her. Myla Smith is a singer-songwriter from Memphis who has several critically acclaimed albums to her name. 
Her most recent full-length album, Hiding Places, garnered critical praise from Billboard and CMT Edge. Her most recent project was a live album recorded at the legendary Memphis venue, The Levitt Shell. So that's a little bit about Myla Smith. Myla, I'd love to know, is there anything that's not in your official bio that you'd like to share that's a little more personal? Well, Brie, um, my big news lately is that I got my hair cut. Uh, so, <laughs> and you know, all women know that that's like a really big deal. So <laughs> this is it's like a Hillary Clinton it, thing yes, when you get the hair. It really was. I, I agonized about it for like six months before I did it. So, so I've got short, shortish hair now. So that's kind of my big, my big new news. Wow. Color is the same though. <laughs> Say, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I can't do more than one thing at a time when you're talking yeah. about hair changes. It's too, it's too big. So. You know, you need your fans to continue to recognize Exactly, you, right. You know? They'd be like, who's that? Mm-mm. That's funny. Well, I, I love to find out how you gotten started in music. We've been in touch for quite a while. I mean, I'm I thinking know. at least five years. At least, yeah. Five or six years. I can't remember when it first was, but. Um, it was yeah. actually before you came out with White Gold. Okay, wow. So it's been a long time. Yeah, wow, that has been a long time. Cool. So how did you get started in music and, you know, just kind of give us a little, get us up to date on how your career developed? Um, well, my mother claims that I've pretty much been singing ever since I could talk. So I think that there's, and I've talked to other people, um, that are, you know, driven musically and sort of said the same thing, like that it wasn't something that got pushed on them. They sort of were always wanting to do it. Um, and I grew up, uh, singing in churches. So like church choir plays, productions and stuff like that. That was kind of my outlet musically. And, um, I really through that is when I started, um, through the church productions is I had a, um, choir director who had some connections with this recording company that did children's music. Um, several different companies that did different types of children's music. Some of it was gospel. Some of it was um, uh, television. And so that's how I got hooked up with the producers of a, at that time it was a brand new TV show called Barney and Friends on PBS. And that was my first ever studio recording experience. And I loved it. I just knew as soon as I started doing it that I had to I had to keep doing this somehow. I have to say I've watched more Barney episodes than I'd care to admit (laughs) because my first daughter loved it. Yeah, it was it was taking over the world for a minute there, like um, mid 90s, I think. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, it was pretty popular. So a lot of people like when I say Barney, they sort of like eye roll like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard I've heard Barney. (laughs) sick to death of it. But yeah, it was, it was an incredibly formative experience for me because, um, you know, being so young, I couldn't have been more than like, you know, nine when I started it and, you know, already really loving music and knowing that I wanted to be doing music, but you know, you don't really have like a framework for what would that look like to actually do music? Like, you know, as an adult, and so getting to work with the producers um, and the coaches that worked with us vocally and just in the studio, seeing how it all actually happened, like how you made records, I just was blown away by that entire experience and just loved it and um, learned a lot. And um, I still 
say that it's kind of jokingly kind of not that it's the, the best job I've ever had because <laughs> it paid the best and it was the most fun. And um, so I kind of peaked at 10 years old or something like that. <laughs> Did you want to get into studio singing at all after that or you were just too into the songwriting thing? Um, no, I mean, I loved I singing and writing are both um, like I'm probably writing is a little bit closer to my heart, but I've always loved singing. And so the, when I was in the studio for Barney stuff, like it was pretty much at that point, mostly about the singing. Cause I wrote songs, but you know, when you're that young, your, your songs are kind of like meandering thoughts, you know, (laughs) they're not really like formed into songs. So, um, the songwriting actually came later when I was like, oh, that's kind of what I'm doing is I'm actually writing songs and um, put those two things together. So then singer songwriting, if is that how you can say it? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it, but I don't think it's a word. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so right now, do you consider yourself a full time musician or do you have some other gig on the side? I've got a gig. Um, yeah, I would, I would call myself part-time. I do. Um, and that's kind of been a long path for me to get to a place where, um, I kind of felt like comfortable about the, um, time that I was splitting between the two because as a, you know, as a musician at heart, um, and especially as like a writer and a creative person that wants to make music, um, you know, you feel like sort of compelled to do it. So I at some point realized like, okay, that is just going to be there no matter what I do. This is not going to go away. So I just need to figure out a place for it in my life. This is, you know, after I got a little bit older and started, you know, putting pieces together like college age. Um, But I actually went to school for, believe it or not, accounting of all things. Okay. I did read that in your bio and that (laughs) is actually my exact path. I went to school for both. Really? Yeah. No, I was an accounting major, but I went as a music major. Yeah. And then I thought I need to do something a little more practical. So I double majored in accounting and management for the business side. And then I was vocal performance. Wow. So you were just a, you were just a crazy person. Yeah. And so I was a CFO for like, I was a CFO for like 10 years before I quit the whole corporate thing to be home with kids and then do music stuff. That is so cool. I don't know if you, maybe you did tell me that a long time ago, but I'm trying to remember back, but I don't think so. I actually didn't know you were a CPA until I read your bio. Yeah. It's so, that's just so rare. I've never come across another person that had that same path. Cause most people, they ask me like, what? Like they just look at, look at me so confused. Like, how could those two sides of your brain be working compatibly? Like there's just no way. But for me, it was really always more of a, I, I really enjoyed school and I was good at it. Um, and my parents were teachers. And so when I, when I decided, you know, when you're, you know, going to college and I'm picking like, what's my major going to be, I kind of had already decided, well, like I love music. I know I'm going to do it, but I didn't know what my like, you know, I always sort of thought because my parents were, you know, definitely pushed this, like you go to school to get a job. So (laughs) I'm like, there's not really a music job that I can go get with my very expensive degree. So, so I was like, well, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I know that I can do this. And I knew a lot of accountants that were getting jobs. So that's really as matter of fact as I was about how I picked my major. Um, and then it wasn't until after I sort of, um, 
got out of school and into the workforce because I was in corporate America for a long time too. Um, and until I sort of realized that, okay, this specific slice of accounting is not going to work with um, my musical pursuits at all. Like I just, you know, it just wasn't going to work because it demanded too much um, of my time. And so and honestly, yeah, that's why I never wanted to be a CPA. And plus, I hate taxes. I mean, I like small business accounting, not taxes. That's actually exactly what I do now um, is small business accounting. And yeah, taxes was not for me either. Um, it's such a grind and you have to stay up on it all the time because it, the the rules change so fast. So I actually started off in auditing. Um, so our listeners are probably like going to sleep right now. <laughs> they yeah. talk about all this financial stuff. Um, but no, I actually started out in auditing, um, cause you know, they told you, well, you'll get to travel and it's kind of, you know, this glamorous, like jet setting lifestyle. You go to all these different, um, clients and, um, you know, you're almost never like working in a, in a cubicle, which is what I dreaded of course. So, you know, you're all off to all these different places and it is definitely, um, exciting to the degree of like your, you know, your location changes and you're you're doing a whole lot of different types of things, but, um, just the workload itself is pretty much anything in that, um, public accounting world is just like, it's, there's not really room for anything else because it is just so demanding your workload. I have to say too, cause I worked with auditors when I was the director of finance, they would come in and audit yeah. us cause I work for a large nonprofit and they're just basically coming to other people's offices and working in their cubicles. Right. Yeah. So it's really not this, you know, no. exciting. No, 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 not at all. And that's what I learned very quickly. It was like, you know, the, okay, you don't have a cubicle, but in, you, instead you have a windowless conference room slash closet mm -hmm. that you work in. Or one time I promise Bree, this is true. I did a healthcare audit at a hospital and they, the room that they put us in was a gutted patient's room used to be a patient's Ugh. room where you could still see like there, it still had a sink in it, like coming out of the wall. <laughs> and I, that was one of those moments where I just sort of thought to myself, oh. like, I've got no, like, I've, I've got to do something else. Probably smelled <laughs> overwhelmingly of sanitizer. Right. And, you know, no. you can picture it. You, you've got it yeah. in your mind. You're right there with me. <laughs> like that was basically what, what my life was. And I was like, gosh, I just think there's got to be something a little bit better than this. So, um, yeah. And the glamorous locales were places, you know, like Paragould, Arkansas and, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't, um, you know, there's, uh, that, that life is certainly for some people, but it just wasn't for me. Um, so, um, anyway, I got after a time, I sort of got myself off of that path, but, um, trying to sort of figure out, okay, what, what is going to fit me? you know, what sort of balance I knew that there, I knew I was out of balance needed to get in balance, but what did that actually look like? And, you know, there's no really, there's no map, there's no map, there's no guidebook. You know, you just have to figure that all out yourself about like, what's really going to work for you. And so, um, I'm finally at a place now where, um, I'm a lot happier with that balance, you know, having my own, um, small accounting, uh, small business accounting practice where, it is a hundred percent, um, up to me setting my hours and it's flexible. I can work from home and, you know, I, it just, it's, it seems like a good fit. So, um, I'm happy with the balance that I've struck now, but it definitely took a long time to get there. 
Well, I saw that you put out an album while you were still working as a CPA yeah, and my, working 60 hours a week. I don't know how you did that. My first one. Well, I tell you how it took me like two years to finish that record from start to finish. Um, because there are just, you know, you, there's only so much time to work on it. Um, so, and that actually started out as a demo that grew into a record and, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's how, that's how you do it. That's how you put out a record when you're working 60 hours a week is it just takes you two years. So, but that was kind of one of those, um, after I finished that, um, project was really sort of the, um, the tipping point for me of realizing that, okay, it took me two years to finish this and I don't want to have to do that again. So not really knowing what my next project would be, but just knowing that I needed to create some space for music to actually happen <laughs> in my life. So, cause it's always been my first love always. And, um, you know, whether it's part-time, full-time, whatever time it is there, there needs to be time for it. And you, it's just, you know, once you're an adult and you're calling the shots, like you have to create space for the things that you want. So I decided to do that and it was, it wasn't easy, but you know, the people that know me and are close to me understood that that was just what I needed to do. So I totally get it. Cause when I worked as a CFO, I was working at an arts, I actually worked at an opera company and I was trying to do this band on the side. And it was like, we had practice in the afternoon. And so I went to my boss and I said, you know, this is really important to me. Yeah. Can I come in at 7am if I can leave at, you know, two thirty or three or something. And he he understood and he let me do it, but it was still so difficult. Yeah. I was coming in early and working extra yeah. night or on the weekends to be able to do it. Yeah. You feel like you just have sort of two jobs. Um, and it's, and you, you feel like you're spinning your wheels in both. Yeah, in exactly. You feel like you're not really gaining very much ground in either one. Cause you're so divided. I always felt like, um, I think especially because the, the creative world and the, um, the finance world are so different that it felt sometimes like I'm, you're just being pulled. At least it did for me. I felt like there was, you know, sort of like I was bifurcated and just being like, like the two parts of me were just being pulled, um, in like a tug of war. And that just it really is not sustainable. Like, you know, I just, I felt like, you know, at a certain point, like there's, there has to be an end to this because I couldn't keep it up from an energy standpoint, just emotional energy. It takes so much, <laughs> you know? Right. So, and at that point you weren't even married yet. So no, no, no. Right. right exactly. So then when you add that to the mix, then you oh. really are going to have no time. I know whole different ball game. Yeah. So how, what kind of, um, role does your husband play in your career? Well, we actually met through music. Um, he was a musician and, um, He's actually an, a badass musician, but he's pretty humble, so he wouldn't say that. I would tell people that I married him because he was just so much cooler than me. <laughs> he's so cool. Um, but he, like, from the, from the very beginning of our relationship, he's been my number one supporter. And um, he really has sort of sort of taken it on himself to kind of, like, dream for me. Um, which is something that, uh, I didn't realize I was missing until he came into my life because, you know, when you're a, when you're an artist, you really are a solo act. 
like in every sense of the word, like you're, you're it, you know, everything's up to you, all the decisions, you know, deciding sort of like what you want to do next, how to do it. Um, everything's up to you and it can feel pretty overwhelming and lonely. And, um, I've, I really felt like I got a partner when I met him because of the way that he was so, he was so interested in me being the best artist that I could be not necessarily like, um, the most financially successful artist that I could be, but just like from a pure standpoint of like a from a musician to another musician, like somebody that really was a, like got your music and, and loved you like just that kind of support and somebody to really encourage and, um, believe in me. It, it meant the world to me. And it's, it really has helped sustain me through some of my low times, you know, when things are just not really, you know, working out the way that I hope that they would. And he, he really grounds me and always sort of like brings me back to reality to remind me like, you're really good and not good, you know, like you're, you write great music. And, um, and that the difference is that I know he actually means that. And so dream sort of dreaming for me and supporting me and just really always being there to pull me back up like his you know it's it's the partner that I really always wanted yeah you really are lucky to have that I know I know and I you know after after we got together um I I realized like how important that was and how the opposite would be detrimental like um because I've witnessed in other um people's relationships were when they were with somebody that really you know maybe verbally but really didn't support what they were trying to do like they it's just not gonna happen like they you can't you feel like you're always in a fight you know when you don't feel mm. supported um and especially for some you know music um because often you know if we're really any kind of creative art like it, it takes so much out of you and um, often sort of the relationship is not um, it's not really equal. You know, you give a lot more than you get back sometimes. And um, he it's it would be really hard for somebody that um, for, you know, for somebody in a relationship for that other person to look at that and be like, just quit, you know? <laughs> like, mm, um, mm -hmm. So, and I would understand that, but, um, which is why I always felt like, you know, it was going to be so important to be with somebody that did get it. Um, and I'm just incredibly lucky that I have somebody like that. Well, you mentioned those kind of difficult times and those struggles, and I know your husband has helped you through those, but you know, what, what are some specific times? Cause I think it really helps our musicians that are listening to hear that maybe they're not alone in their struggles and that, you know, someone who's really come out and, and been quite successful has gone through this type of thing. Um, are there some specific struggles that you can share and maybe what you learned from them? Sure. Well, I mean, I think just like in, in general, like the, so, you know, there's times when I remember I had, <laughs> I had a, it, uh, I had a video, um, that, and this is just, you know, lesson learned. Never, ever, ever, ever read your YouTube comments ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never, ever. I've heard that from other people. Don't ever do that. Um, but I had a video that um, so went viral to a certain degree. And I so that was kind of, you know, here goes the roller coaster. It was incredibly exciting. 
Um, it was after I'd released um, my drugs EP in 2012. And I put out this video for it and sort of overnight, it just like, you know, exploded. Um, and so uh, I was, you know, on cloud nine and then started to sort of read <laughs> some <laughs> of the comments. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not going to, you know, say what they all were, but um, some of them were great and some of them weren't. And um, it's, I mean, you just can't help but not have your feelings hurt. And um, so, and, and I think also the, the point I want to make about it being personal, you know, is like this is, you're the, you know, you're the artist, you're the writer, like these are every, this is all you. And so um, you're that sort of like rejection or even if it's just like a meh response it, it you can't help but take it personally like what do you mean this is my soul know, that I'm bearing know, you know I know <laughs> um so you know you just you can't help it like you you just really can't so um you know he he's kind of always helped me to in those in those low points you know because it's the extremes you know you'll have like this like I said, you know, like one, one minute I am just like on cloud nine and then, you know, the next, literally like the next minute, like, Oh, just crushed. So, um, those it's that kind of roller coaster that, um, having my husband is like, I really don't know what I'd do without him for that because it feels so manic. Um, when something that you're putting out there to the world is so personal um, you know, you have to be ready to receive rejection. Not now I will say, you know, like I preface, don't read your YouTube comments. Like you don't, you don't need that kind of rejection. Just don't, <laughs> don't read. But in general, like that's going to be something that's always going to happen no matter, um, you know, how hard you try and, um, you know, how good you think it is. Like it's, there are haters. Um, and, um, I've read an amazing quote the other day um, that said, uh, don't don't try to win over the haters. You're not the jackass whisperer. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I just, oh, I want to put that on my wall. I absolutely. It was such a cute picture of a donkey. <laughs> I just I, I loved that because I was like, that is if I had just spent more time like hanging on to that, you know, instead of just you know, fixating on the things that, um, the people that didn't like it, you know, instead of just recognizing like, oh, they're just not my audience. That's all. And move, right. move on. I mean, not, you know, we're not going to like everybody and everybody's not going to like us. It right. would be crazy. There's no such thing in the world that everybody's going to like, oh, right? Because it's, it's just that you put yourself out there and you somehow find the people that aren't the ones that are going to like it. Right. Yeah. You know, well, because they're ready to say that they don't. That's you know? true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are always with their hand right over the button. Like, oh, oh my gosh, what a sad life to feel like you have to do that. I just don't get it. I know. I know. I think they just hang out in internet cafes and just mm. hate on people. But, yes. but yeah, it's not, I, I, you know, the older I get, the more I'm realizing that, you know, that is not my job to please those people or even everybody or even everyone. It's just really about finding your audience and um, being the most authentic you that you can be in as an artist. Um, and so for me, like 
you know, the highs, the highs and lows, like I, I kind of have had to because, because a lot of things are just hundred percent out of your control. Um, you put out a, I put out records before that I was like, oh man, like this is, you know, I just have like super high hopes for what's going to happen. And then kind of, you know, nothing does, or, you know, you get an amazing piece of press and you're like, this is going to be it. You know, this is my bolt of lightning. And you're sort of not exactly sure what it even means, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, but you're thinking, well, something, you know, something significantly different will happen now. And then it kind of doesn't. And, um, that's just, it's the roller coaster that, um, that you need somebody else there, like a real partner team member to sort of help you and be like, you know what? It's okay. Like, because you are still you, you're putting out great music, you're being true to yourself. And like, that's the journey that you're on. It's not about like how many hits you had on YouTube. It really can't be because it's totally beyond your control. And the older I get and the more I do music, the more I really try to, f- to focus on things that are 100% within my control um, and the things that I, that I care about, like going back to the reasons that I got into music in the first place, why I you know, took such great strides to orchestrate my life so that I could pursue it. Um, because those are the things that really matter and last. Um, and the rest of it's just all sort of like, you know, 15 minutes and then so it's true it's true did you have a mentor along the way like an artist mentor a mentor in maybe the music business that kind of gave you a little bit of direction yeah that I when I read that question I thought this is actually something I've been thinking about lately is I really didn't and I feel like I've always wanted a mentor and um it's not the sort of thing that um I grew up like hearing a lot about, you know, people didn't really talk about like, oh, find a mentor. Um, But I am realizing more and more like how important that is to have some person, not just like, I mean, there are plenty of artists that I aspired to be like and really looked up to and respected their careers. But um, as like a real tangible person, flesh and blood that you could talk to and get like advice from someone you trusted, um, I I just feel like in general, like that's something that is desperately needed, especially among females that are really trying to pursue like art in a meaningful way. Like I, I just feel like that's something that there's a lack of and it may just be me, you know, in my life, but no, it is not you. Cause I've asked this question now 10 times and there's not been one person that said, oh yes, my mentor was this person yeah. and this is what they did for me, you know? Yeah. I know. So I think it's really needed. I do too. And I, I'm not really sure where to start, um, with that, but I certainly would like to be that for other girls. Um, in fact, I have this, um, although I don't really think I know enough of what I'm talking about to be somebody's mentor, <laughs> but, but, um, but I, I do sense the need for it. I really do. Um, And I eventually, I'm not exactly sure what form this will take, but I would love to be able to be able to work with girls um, around that age of like 10, 11, 12, where you're, they're sort of in that transition where things, you know, start to shift for you and you're thinking more about grown up things and girls that are musically inclined and like, you know, have something that they want to express and sort of try to come along beside them and 
give them these musical tools, especially of songwriting, to be like, here's a way um, where you can funnel all of the stuff that you're thinking and feeling into this. And you know what? If somebody doesn't like it, who cares? It's a song. You know, it's just a song. So I'd love to just be able to sort of like be have like be that role for somebody like at the age that I was when I was like, gosh, you know, I love music, but I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do with this. So I think that would be awesome. I was definitely one of those kids where I love music. I like did everything I could in music, but I had no idea of any kind of direction or what I right. could do with it. No. Or, you know, how to channel it, like the little talent that I thought I had in songwriting because I thought I was a terrible songwriter, but I liked doing it, you know, but I was afraid to put myself out there and yeah, all that. I you was know? too. I was the same way. Yeah, I thought I just, you know, I didn't know if it was any good or not. And you just it's you're so terrified when you're already that age to have anybody see you because, you know, what if they make fun of you? You know, it's just that terrible age that nobody ever wants to go back to. Um and so, yeah, to have to be able to have a real person be like, no, it's okay. Like, do your thing. Explore this. You know, I, I would love to be that person for somebody else to at least try to encourage them. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson. <laughs>